When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Monday, April 5th. Hope you guys all had a great uh, Easter weekend. I know I did. It was relaxing. It was enjoyable. I went to the beach. Enjoyed enjoyed my time out there. Um, and today, this morning, uh, news that there was an earthquake. I got a fun story to share about that. Did not know there was an earthquake. I thought it was something else. But as you know, Monday nights, we talk LA Galaxy in here. Coming back, we got Alicia Rodriguez. Alicia, how you doing? Doing well, Gio. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So did you know about this earthquake and what happened here here in California? Uh no, I was a little too far away from it or I was sleeping too hard. One or the other. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but uh no, I, I missed the earthquake this morning. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't know it was an earthquake. So I I got a little little story to tell. So right before I went I went to sleep last night, um I decided to crack my window, you know, just enough uh, to let some air in, you know, just mm-hmm. let, let some natural air when, you know, whatever, come into my room. Um, I, this is the first time I've done this. So I go to sleep, you know, and all I remember just kind of just half half awake, just waking up and my window was like shaking. And my <laughs> first my first instant is like, oh, no, someone's trying to break in. And I'm like. And I'm like trying to like try to gather myself. And then I look at my window and like no one's there and it just stops. And then all I remember is just going back to sleep and that's it. And then I wake up, I check Twitter and Twitter's all like, oh, did you guys feel that earthquake? Blah, blah, blah. So this whole time, I guess I, I either one, I thought it was a bad dream or I thought I really thought someone was trying to break in and then ends up being <laughs> ends up being an earthquake. So, um, but yeah, I, I was, I was a little, a little freaked out. Cause I was like, man, I'm never going to leave my window open like that. I was like, you, you know, you just, you give, you give an inch and someone tries to break, break in, you know? I, I think you'd probably rather it be a minor earthquake than uh, somebody actually breaking in though. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it, it was interesting. You know, I was sharing that. So with, with like, uh, a couple of friends and they were like, so you went back to sleep and I was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see anybody and it just stopped. And, and I, at the same time I was half asleep. And I think the only thing I was paranoid is because I knew, uh, I guess in the back of my mind that I had opened my window for the, you know, for the first time, obviously there's a screen and stuff, but just waking up to that, I, I just thought it was hilarious. And I just looked back, I was like, man, what would I've done? You know, half asleep. There's, there's nothing I would have, I would have been done. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank goodness it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. What 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 did you do for that for this Easter weekend? Uh, I worked pretty much, but I'm uh, getting a couple of days off uh, this week, so I'm looking forward to it. I've uh, been working hard, double duty soccer, a little bit of college basketball, so uh, I'm looking forward to a couple of days off coming up here. Yeah, you you do such a great job. You're you're just all all over the place covering the league, and and you're really in the know. So I I sorry, I really enjoy ha- having you here. And, you know, obviously Galaxy stuff, which which is a lot to get into, you know, Kevin, Kevin Cabral, the game this past weekend, uh, what the future looks like for the, for the, this other Galaxy roster. 
uh, and, and so many more things. <clears throat> the good thing is like, well, let's talk about the game. Obviously, I, I need to say this first. I did not watch the game. The reason I did not watch the game was because I was at the LAFC game. It was their game. So as you know, but Alicia Rodriguez did watch the game. So Alicia, tell us, tell us what, what you thought about this game and, uh, and your overall thoughts. Yeah, I would say uh, the game that the Galaxy played on Saturday against uh, Sporting Kansas City, it, the lineup was pretty similar to the first game against uh, the New England Revolution. So um, quite a few young players, but there were a few starters or kind of, uh, you know, experienced players who were mixed in with the group. Um, so it wasn't a super, super youthful group, but it was still pretty young. Um, and so as a result, I kind of took this result a little bit with a grain of salt just because this is not going to be the group that we're going to end up seeing the Galaxy uh, use when they open the season. Uh, we're going to see some of the players and some of those players may be coming off the bench, but we're not going to see that starting lineup in uh, at least to start the MLS season. Um, having said that, I mean, it still was an opportunity for players to get game minutes to kind of show what they could do together to try to build up some chemistry. And I think this team is definitely in need of building up some chemistry. The problem is like half of the lineup still needs to come in and actually work on that. And with only a couple of games left uh, before the regular season starts, it's going to be a little bit tricky to, to, to find that chemistry, but hopefully the returning group can kind of, you know, have a base and they can all kind of be on the same page with Greg Manny and, and hopefully they can then come in and, um, you know, start the season off well, but we'll see, but it was, it was a one nil uh, loss for the galaxy uh Gianluca Busio scored the only goal in the first half for sporting and I should say that sporting had a pretty full lineup too I think their lineups were actually pretty balanced on the day uh Busio scored kind of a golazo and so I don't really think that you can sort of say oh the galaxy defense breaking down again oh it's horrible it's one of those it was one of those goals where it's like I mean he literally did a give and go and kind of bloop touched the ball up to himself and then just smashed it and uh you know, sometimes you give up goals like that. Like that's just kind of how it goes. And I think uh, that's not the kind of goal that you're necessarily going to be uh, really ruining uh, mistakes made over it. It happens sometimes. Yeah. And I think uh, obviously preseason games like this are, are hard to, to, to dictate, right? Because like you mentioned earlier, they didn't have their full roster. Obviously players are still getting signed. Um, we know Legit didn't play. We know obviously Jonathan Dos Santos didn't play. Um, those are those guys are just getting back from 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 international right international duty so it's kind of hard to gauge obviously it was a 1-0 but the positive the positive signs of this is, uh, right the younger guys got to play you know so, some of the, those galaxy two guys that that probably if those guys if the number one guys were there they probably wouldn't get that playing time or that experience but i think that that's the positive that you can get out of a game like this and also they're away there in Tucson, and I like that they're you know they're they're fa they're seeing other faces, right? I, I saw the picture afterwards, you know Chicharito and Alan Pulido, um, you know they took a picture, so that's exciting. They're in Tucson, so you you kind of have like a preseason feel to it, right? Because you go you go to a different city. There's a couple of the teams out there, um, you know. I, I I know I was trying to watch the the game and the link and stuff, but it it was hard. But I was like, you know, I'm not going to stress about it. Um, but the good thing about the Allegaxi is that they do have another game this week, right? And, and they do they do have more players coming, right? We, we already like those players that I mentioned. Victor Vasquez is scheduled to be on the press call tomorrow. Uh, we know more about Kevin Cabral. Um, you know, he's going to be joining the team, I think, here soon. 
Um, so th- there's a, there's a lot a lot of things going on with that. But but when but to your point, when you look at this Galaxy team, it, it's hard it's hard to judge them. But at the same time, it's great for the young guys to get the experience. But it's also you know what we want to see is okay now going into Wednesday, what we expect uh, from the other Galaxy, getting those pieces closer closer. Because I think at the end of the day, they're going to about have about seven or eight games preseason. But realistically, out of those seven or eight games that they they're going to play, probably what three or four are going to be with the first team. Right. And I mean, again, it's it's going to be a matter of seeing how quickly they can get up to speed, because another uh, kind of storyline coming into the start of the season is that the uh, MLS is going to determine the U.S. Open Cup entrance based on how they do in the first three weeks. So um, you if you want to play in the U.S. Open Cup this year, there's only eight slots for 24 American teams. So only a third of the teams are going to make it. Uh, you got to pick up points quickly. Um, so if a team starts off slow, that basically means that their, you know, open cup hopes are done, you know, done before they uh, even get into the tournament because they won't make it. But, um, you know, so there's a little bit more riding on the first few games of the season, which I'm sure the Galaxy don't really need any extra pressure. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be tricky. But I also think that one of the things that's going to be interesting for me to see, I plan on writing about this uh, this week, is that the – Young players, I think, are doing really well with the pace of the game. Um, LA Galaxy 2 last season played the ball really fast. They were a very speedy team. They played in transition uh, easily, and um, they were comfortable pinging the ball around the field. Uh, The LA Galaxy first team has not been like that for several years, right? Like they're a very ponderous team when it comes to moving the ball upfield. That allows opponents to kind of sit in a low block get ready for them to come downfield, get set, and then they try and attack and it, it comes to nothing. Um, I think that Vanny is really trying to, to increase the tempo uh, for the team. And it's going to be interesting when kind of the full strength uh, starting squad comes in, are they going to be able to speed up the play or are they going to kind of revert back to the old style of, you know, essentially like a, to use a basketball analogy, like kind of walking the ball up court, right? Like, that's just not where we are in the sport right now. And I think the galaxy need to play faster. I think Vanny's trying to work on that. I I wonder how the veterans who are going to be starting, who haven't been playing this preseason, how they're going to adjust, if they're going to be able to do it, or if it's going to take a little bit of uh, time for them to get used to that. Yeah. That's an interesting point that that you bring up, right? Because obviously we, they haven't been there and we haven't seen that from the LA galaxy. We've, we've seen a completely different model, but under Greg Vanny, I think that that would be the assumption if that's what we're seeing now. We we would assume that that's what we see with the first team. I want to ask you about a player, uh, Daniel Daniel Aguirre. He he got the start. I think that that's the thing that stood out of me from 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 the lineup. I don't know how much you paid attention to him, but what did you think of his performance this past weekend? Because when I first saw him play against the second game against New England, he was really good. He really stood out to me, and I asked you know Greg Vanny about him. You know, he said his future is bright with with the LA Galaxy. You know, I'm assuming that's LA Galaxy too. He he's a tri- trialist, but what did you think of his play this past weekend? Yeah, I think he's he's done well. He certainly hasn't looked like he doesn't belong here. And um, you know, I think ultimately he'll he'll sign with Los Dos and uh, play for the USL team. But I think it's a, a good sign because they're trying to make you know kind of a, a a wider roster. You know, even beyond the kind of MLS roster. Uh, and he's the kind of player that you give him a chance, see what he can do. You know, so far it seems like he's been uh, hanging with the the MLS players. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to seeing more from him. Um, 
there's there's been a lot of players who've impressed me and I think the fact that he's one of only a few trialists or unsigned uh players who've been featuring and he's been featuring pretty regularly I think that that kind of speaks volumes right like <laughs> there's a lot of other people that uh Vanny could have chose to play and, and he chose to go with him yeah and I think uh, I believe he's a UC Riverside product he, he played midfield for them so I mean that's what you want to see, right? Some someone that's local getting getting a shot with the first team. Uh, realistically, he's probably going to play for Los Dos, but I mean, if he's getting those minutes, where which most likely could have been, you know, the the number one team right now without the you know without the main pieces, he got the start, which kind of just speaks volumes of him. And you know, I think as a player that I'm really going to try to you know stay stay on and try to see where his career goes because I, I mean I, I love what I saw in that first game and it's exciting you know he, he has to be excited of what he has done uh so far and accomplished and, and there's still there's still so much to go um uh, let's talk about uh I don't know if you I know you mentioned uh, Chicharito he was today he was on ESPN I think that, that an ESPN plus they, they got this the new show I, forgot, I don't know the name of it but I just I just tweeted out a video of Chicharito uh, and he was there. He was asked about you know playing for the Mexican national team. Um, obviously, he hasn't been on the Mexican national team this past year. Obviously, we know he he didn't have a good season. But this is what he said. He said, "I haven't retired from playing for from for the Mexican national team. The day I don't want to play for the Mexican national team, I will retire." He goes on and acknowledges that you know he had a he had a terrible season last year. Um, I think that to me just speaks motivation. That he wants to, he wants to get back and play for the Mexican national team. He, he's motivated that he wants to go back on there, and he has a lot of things that he has to. He, I think he understands that he has to prove with the LA Galaxy before he gets that call up. But what do you make of of his comments? I know you didn't see the video, but what do you make of those comments? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's all to the good. I mean, whatever kind of stokes that fire for him, you know, <laughs> that's good, right? Like we we saw that last year you know, his head wasn't quite right. And, um, you know, I think he, I think he tried when he was on the field, but it, it just wasn't clicking. And, and even he said, you know, eventually that he was dealing with some personal issues and, and that was affecting everything. And, um, you know, he's been really forthright in saying like, I, you know, I, I really didn't hold up my end of the bargain last year and I need to do better, uh, which is good. But I also think that, um, you know, like last year was a really tough year and it's not just for him. I mean, a lot of people I think had a really tough year. I think the fact that he's just such a high profile player, we come to expect that he's, you know, going to perform no matter what. And the reality is, you know, we all go through ups and downs in our lives and and that's normal. I think with the the Mexican national team, I mean, I think that's a, a great attitude. And I also think that he has a great opportunity to get back in the team potentially if he plays well, because, uh, Tata Martino coached in MLS. He has no problem about calling up MLS players. You know, th- this isn't a situation where the national team manager uh, basically looks down on MLS and says, okay, well, you know, it's a, it's a retirement league, like, forget it. You're, you're out. Like he's going to keep an open mind. And um, you know, I, I think that that's good. That gives Chicharito that extra motivation. Um, I I would not be surprised you know, if, if he is really pushing for another call, I think he wants to end on a high. He certainly doesn't want to end his national team career. Like he has where the end came out of nowhere, right? Like he's, I believe he's the all-time leading scorer, right? For Mexico. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to just kind of go out quietly, uh, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, right? Like he, he wants to have, you know, the adulation, 
another go around, an opportunity to, to add on to that, that legacy that he's created. Um, and I think he deserves it, but obviously it's a matter of playing well first and for your club and then seeing if you can get that recall. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, I, I like what he said. And I, and I, that to me just spoke that he is focused. That's one of, that's one of his goals that he has, he has, you know, he, he wants to do and has, has to prove. And uh, if Chicharito makes it for the national team, you would assume that he, he's been killing it with the LA galaxy, right? He's been scoring goals and been doing all that because uh, that's, that's the only way he's getting called up uh, because, you know, you still, you still, you got, you got Raul Jimenez, uh, who had who had a, who's had a credible you know who this past year he had an incredible year out in England you know he was doing stuff in the Premier League so I think that's part of the reason why he also Chicharito didn't also called up because they have they have other options you know yes. they have other options at the number nine spot you know unfortunately for him because if he if, if Chicharito doesn't do something amazing you know he doesn't get back to his old form there's no way he's gonna get called up because Raul Jimenez is the number one guy at at that at the number nine spot and 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 he should be and he should be uh, right now Chicharito is not even on the list but he could definitely get on the list he could definitely get get there potentially get a, get a, get that starting role but first he has to do his job here. He has to do his job with the LA Galaxy. But everything he's saying, I, I love it because, you know, you have other players like Carlos Vela who had a shot shied away from the national team which is I, I think it's a little a little a little bizarre because you know you see players like Ronaldo you know you see all these top players that they they also still want to play for the national team and that's a forefront and I think I, I like this and I, I like that you know Chicharito has this on his on his mind Romaldinho in the chat says LA Galaxy MLS come cup champs easy I don't think it's going to be easy, but it's a bold call, <laughs> he, right. yeah, it's a bold call, but he, he is an LA Galaxy fan. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't, n- nothing about a championship speaks, speaks easy to me, but I, I like the, I like the, you know, I like the positivity. I, I like that you're supporting your team, but it's not going to come easy. And there's still a long road ahead for that. Um, Another player that, you know, everybody's, uh, at least the LA Galaxy, you know, I've been waiting for is Victor Vasquez. You know, Greg Vanny has talked about Victor Vasquez. Essentially, what I'm understanding, he's going to be the point guard that's going to distribute the ball well to Chicharito when he's he's going to read those runs. You know, these are I'm just paraphrasing here. But those are the things, that, you know, Greg Vanny has said. Um, it looks like we may we may find out more tomorrow when we speak to him, but it looks like he may play on Wednesday. What, what do you think of the LA Galaxy finally having Victor Vasquez? I think it's really important and, and kind of going off what we were talking about with Chicharito, I, the things that I, uh, he's played in two of the three preseason games that we've been able to see so far. Uh, I think Chicharito has done a really good job of uh, creating a couple chances per game with his teammates. Usually he sets up a teammate. Um, you know, he hasn't really been getting a shot off very much so far. He had one chance against uh, sporting that clanged off the crossbar and looked like it was about to go in and it missed. Um, you know, so he was this this close to scoring the other day. Um, but for me, I'm really eager to see how, uh, Vasquez helps facilitate the attack because basically what we've seen so far has been like no upgrade over what we had last year, you know, for the galaxy. And so there was, there's no fluidity to the offense, you know, everything ran through Christian Pavone. And if it didn't run through him, it was a set piece or nothing. And so we haven't really seen a ton of like, fluid attacking motion so far you can definitely see the the patterns of play that Vanny is trying to implement um it looks like so far what they're doing is they're trying to go wide as often as possible look for a cutback pass 
uh, not crosses, you know, more cutbacks and, and that kind of thing, maybe some give and goes around the edge of the box uh, from the wide flank, that kind of thing. Um, so when Vasquez is in, when he gets some fitness under him, I am really eager to see how he links up with Chicharito because that really is going to be the the kind of a one relationship to start the season. I think um, obviously they can't do it by themselves. I'm also curious to see how many minutes Vasquez is actually going to be able to play since he's, he's getting pretty old. He's had some injury issues in the past, but right now he's kind of like the, the, the primary player right now that the galaxy needs. So uh, if he's going to be doing most of the playmaking duties, I am very eager to see uh, how he looks with the side. Yeah, uh, I think I am too, because that that's what, you know, like I said, Greg Vanny has mentioned his name multiple times. Greg, This is Greg Vanny's guy. He played with Greg Vanny in Toronto. So Greg Vanny knows knows what he's getting, understands the Cali, the Cali of his quality of play. And also, you know, to your point, I think we we potentially may see him for 30 minutes. I don't know. I'm just going off the assumption that's how much that's how many minutes Jorge Villafania played when he played his first game back. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't see him playing more than that. I think I'm assuming if we, we go with the assumption that he will play on Wednesday, whether he starts or comes off the bench, you know, it's really going to be harder to, to judge a player off for 30 minutes. Right. right. So it's really going to be hard. But I think, you know, he still got has to get his legs under him. And I think after we were able to see him play a full game, I don't know if that's going to be, I don't, obviously I don't think that's going to be Wednesday or Saturday when they play maybe their final, maybe their final preseason game. You, you would assume, obviously we don't know what he's been doing out in uh you know, out in Europe, wherever he's at. We don't know. Obviously we know he looks in shape. He looks in shape. I know galaxy posted a video of him running, but being, being in shape and being in game shape, it's a, it's a completely different story, right? When you're running full 90 minutes sprints up and down, um, but yeah, this is a player I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see. And also another player that I'm very excited to see to place alongside Chicharito is Sebastian Legette. Sebastian Legette has been so uh, consistent with the U.S. men's national team. We know he scored two goals, you know, before he came back with the with the, with the, with the, with the, the LA Galaxy. And I want to see if Sebastian Legette can continue his form and if he can continue bringing that with the LA Galaxy because I feel like if Sebastian Legette's also scoring goals, it's just going to open up things for the, for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked before about how uh... – it's going to be interesting to see where Legit plays on the field, if he's going to be given a more attacking role like he typically has for the United States. Uh, he, he, you know, again, I think this is kind of a make or break season for him on the club front. If, if he can really get going, I think that can really potentially elevate the Galaxy. Who knows, make them, you know, championship contenders potentially. Um, if he's playing at kind of the country level that we've seen him do again and again and again and again and make the United States make him a, a key player for the U S uh, he's obviously a key player for the galaxy too, but he's played a slightly different role. He's played on struggling teams. He's played with coaches that really don't seem to be trying to get the best out of him. So uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what role Vanny plays uh, legit at and how he's able to get involved in the attack. I have a feeling that Vanny style of play is going to be really um uh, beneficial for for legit um but we have to see how how it actually looks on the field but yeah i'm excited about that if legit can can score some goals vasquez was actually a pretty uh decent scorer for toronto too um you know he wasn't a guy that's that racked up 15 assists and two goals like he was actually fairly balanced so uh, if he can chip in with some goals too obviously if chicharito can get off the mark and, and start scoring and then the french guys who are joining the fray if, if they can score as well um 
you know, that suddenly looks a lot better than what we saw last season. Yeah, I mean, you have the pos- the possibilities are endless right there with, with, with those just the names we mentioned. Uh, let me ask you something, because this this was asked to me, I think uh, the last, I think the last time I did El Galaxy podcast. Let, let's just, for example, let's just say uh, Sebastian Lejet continues the same form with the El Galaxy. He's consistent the way we've seen him be with the U.S. men's national team. What, do you, what are your thoughts of him potentially getting a call up to Europe? Uh, I can't remember how, how old is he now? 28? 20. I believe he's 28. Let me, let me Google 28, 29. Let me go his age. He's 28 years old. Yeah, you're correct. Right. Uh, I would say probably not, but you never know. Um, you know, there, I, I, I don't think we're at the phase yet where, um, an American can kind of, can, Forth between Europe and MLS, aside from Landon Donovan, who I think was a singular exception, we haven't seen too many people who can kind of, you know, come to MLS, you know, forge a successful stint and then get sold back to Europe. That That's pretty unusual. Um, I mean, I think you would have to be like MVP level, you know, MLS MVP level to even really scratch the surface of that potentially. But you know, they're like, it's a good, it's a bull market for Americans in Europe right now. So I guess you never know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, the only reason I brought up that question, because that question was asked to me and and I went with, with the assumption that he, if he was to kill it and he was to start for the U S men's national team, I think that just boosts him a little bit, right? If he starts for the U S men's national team, it just boosts him a little bit. And I could potentially see something like, um, Jordan Morris potentially getting loaned out to like a mid-tier team potentially if if he continues if he continues doing what he's doing and if a team needs a player of his caliber in that same position right I, I think I could see it but I, I just want to see him being consistent with the LA Galaxy first and if he continues that and he gets a starting role with the U.S. men's national team and obviously the U.S. men's national team qualifies for the World Cup and stuff. I, I think there's there's a possibility. But first, he, he needs to get the job done with the other galaxy because I think you, we – I would like to also see players that, you know, also get, players that are legit age still get a shot, you know, because it, yeah. because if that's if that's where the market is going, right, uh, American, young American players, and legit can just be, you know, that, that – like, for example, he could be the unicorn. He could, he could be the odd man out. Not only is legit, I think legit right now is doing two things. If if he, if he continues with the U.S. men's national and starts, he proves that you can be an MLS player and start for the national team when there's a bunch of European players going out there. He gives hope to other MLS players because he's the only one that's been consistent. You know, they got to do their job. And I think he also opens a door for other other players that are his age to also get looked at potentially for Europe. Those right. are just some of the thoughts that I, that I see. No, I think those are great points. And I, I actually think your your Morris analogy makes sense. I mean, that is something that was kind of interesting. This uh, latest transfer window in England was the championship teams going after MLS players. We hadn't really seen that before. So, you know, maybe that's the start of a trend. I think American players generally are cheaper, although I don't know if Legette would necessarily be cheaper, you know, kind of on that scale. But, you know, even so, I also think that, you know, you say like, it's possible, it's possible. Of course it's possible. I think where I, you know, where I kind of make my pronouncements, it kind of comes from a place where the conventional wisdom says, right? Like conventional wisdom says a Portuguese team is not going to buy a 28 year old American. It doesn't mean that Benfica couldn't do it, right? It doesn't mean that 
um, you know, mid-table Serie A team couldn't no. come in. I mean, they could, you know, there's nothing stopping them. It's just, they don't. And, um, you know, like we saw with the, the champ, the English championship teams, you know, making new inroads. And we've seen with Italian teams starting to buy, uh, really young Americans, you know, who knows, maybe this is a brave new world and we'll see uh, much more action regarding all MLS players, uh, moving forward. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if Avery could get, if they may buy him. I, I, I guess I should have been more clear. I think I was thinking more of the long of the lines of being loaned out like, right. like Jordan Morris. And I, I think I could see that, that being loaned out, uh, you know, more of an option than, than a team buying him because if a team were to buy him, he would have to, you know, just have a breakout season with the galaxy. And then also with the U S men's national team, he, he continue, continue what he's doing and more. But I think the possibility is there. For him to, to for him to get loaned out, and I think, it, like I said, it, it just opens the door for so many for so many more different things. Uh, if, if if you're an MLS fan, because I think so far, I know a lot of people online have mentioned that you know, like I just want to see an all European based team. I just want I don't want to see MLS players when we have all these European players. And I'm kind of on the opposite side of that because I feel like no, we should see some MLS players because you you kind of want your league to at least have some type of players, right? I understand that Europe is a different level, but I think what Sebastian Legit is doing is is opening the door for more MLS players to get that shot. Yeah, if you're good enough, you're good enough, right? Like regardless of what league you're playing in, I I don't think that that should be the only determinant. I mean, I think that's one of the most annoying things about you know, the Euro snob who sort of looks down on anyone who plays in MLS. I mean, the, the quality of MLS has risen substantially, right? Like an uh, incredible amount. And I think a lot of people who turned against MLS, of you know, they just don't see games. And so they don't really know how to, you know, it, it's not the highest level, but is it a good level? Yeah, it's a good level. Like it's, it's probably a lot better than you think. And, you know, I'm also not somebody who's like, oh, MLS, MLS, but I think you have to take a balanced approach. You know, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter what league you're playing in, what team you're on. Um, all that matters is that you fit in with the team and you contribute well. And and if you can do that, then so be it. Yeah. And if you're good enough and you're scoring on international level, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to score no matter where you play, but, but if you're scoring and that's what legit is doing and I'm loving what he's doing, I, I just want him to continue to doing that. Um, now, obviously, let, let's talk about the the, the French winger. Uh, obviously, you know, news broke today. Uh, Tom Bogart uh, tweeted out some information, and this is a quote. He said, the LA Galaxy are finalizing the acquisition of French winger Kevin Cabral from Valenciennes FC. Pronounce that wrong. Uh, one source says the fee is about a bit more than the reported $5 million. So that looks like... Uh, Pretty much is official. Obviously, it hasn't been official by the other galaxy, but we're assuming that that's going to be it. Um, he's coming. Uh, another thing that adds to this, I don't think that necessarily uh, he's not going. I don't believe he's going to be a DP player. I think the the option of having the U twenty two. I think that's yeah. that's the thing that they they, they brought in uh, the what was the U twenty two initiative. Um, so he won't necessarily count as a DP player because he's, he's under the age. He's, he's 21, I believe. So he's under 22 years old. So this is, this works out great for, for the LA galaxy, um, because you don't have to use a DP spot and you still have a DP spot. The other thing is you spend $5 million, more than $5 million. So I'm assuming it's five point something, 6.7. I don't know if, yeah, it's more than $5 million. So, um, they got the left winger, which they needed. And it's going to be, you're going to have the two French wingers. 
they don't have to use a DP spot, but they did spend more than $5 million. What, what do you think of, of this news? I mean, I haven't seen him play, but you know, on paper, it sounds pretty good, right? Like, every, you know, it all, it all kind of comes together. Um, yeah. It, it, everything sounds like he's going to be what uh, people around MLS are calling young money. Um, you know, on the, the U22 initiative uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how teams use it. I like the fact that the galaxy are moving quickly um, to take advantage of the new rule, you know, for a long time, we saw the galaxy kind of be the, the standard bearers when it came to new roster roles, like a lot of roster roles were made explicitly for the galaxy. Right. Um, but they kind of fell behind in recent years in that regard. And so it's, it's nice to see them kind of, you know, be among the first teams to, to, to take advantage of this role. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, I was looking at his stats earlier. So he plays on the French second division for Valenciennes. Um, you know, pretty good level. A lot of uh, young, talented players do come out of uh, league duh, so you know, not not of league to necessarily sniff at. Looked like he had scored uh, ten goals in a little over thirty games uh, so far this year, which or the season. That's good. You know, a, a goal every three games or so is 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 a pretty good clip. Um, you know, so so that looks promising. You know, that's one of the things that when I look at like especially wingers. And you look at their uh, production in the past and you see like, oh, he's played, you know, 80 games and he scored two goals. It's like, ooh, that looks not good. And, you know, you can still be a provider or something like that. But, um, you know, usually if you have a player in an attacking position, you want to see him actually scoring. Looks like this guy's in, in good form right now. So uh, I think that's a great sign. I also think that, you know, it, it may sound kind of simple, but I think if if he joins, I would hope that he and uh, Samuel Grancier can kind of, you know, help get acclimated to uh, the galaxy, to the United States, to MLS together. Um, you know, just because they're compatriots doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be best friends, but hopefully that would give them, you know, a way to sort of adjust to a new place and and not feel like they're all by themselves, um, you know, on a new team. So I don't know if that was by design necessarily, but I think getting two French wingers could uh, turn out to be a, a good decision in that regard. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, it, it makes it interesting. It makes it fun. Uh, the LA Galaxy obviously have had success, you know, with, with French player players in the past, you know, and they've become some fan favorites, you know, with Alan Sandrini. Um, so I think in, obviously this is the, the left wing watch, right, was the most talked about for the LA Galaxy. Who's going to play? Is it going to be Pavone? Um, you know, obviously right now it doesn't look like it's Pavone, but I think the door's still open. The Galaxy don't look like... You know, they've closed the door from the people that, you know, I've, I've talked to and, you know, I've asked about Pavone. They they haven't closed the door on Pavone. They, they haven't said that, but they have they haven't shut it down is what I'm saying. They have not shut it down. They haven't confirmed or denied, but they haven't shut down the Pavone situation. But I think when you spend five million dollars in your 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 well, I think the offer for Pavone was 10 million. Um, is that how you're justifying it? 15 million dollars for two players if they do end up getting Pavone. Or is is this ta or or is uh, uh, Kevin Cabral going to be the left winger in the the open D- DP spot? You're just going to see where you could use it going forward, right? Because it would say the the summer transfer window happens here in a couple months, you know, from when the start of the season is. And are you just going to wait, hold on to the DP spot, and see where you need to potentially use it? Because Kevin Cabral could could be the guy and be you know be the left winger, or he could not be. But uh, I'm I'm assuming when you're paying five million dollars, you you expect them. You expect them to be the guy. Obviously, we expect them to be the starter. So I think I could see the LA Galaxy holding on to that 30 piece spot until the summer. 
Yeah, I think they know at this point they have to be flexible based on Pavone's situation. So I think that's what they're going to be. But I also think that they can't afford to just add a couple players and be like, okay, well, that should, that should work. Like they need to be pretty aggressive. Um, I mean, I'm curious as far as kind of the transfer outlay, and we'll only know this in, in hindsight, right? Like how much they end up spending in transfer fees in the end, because if they do spend 15 million, that's going to be huge. And then, you know, you couple that with, I think Chicharito was 8 million last year, right? So that's a lot of money to spend in a, a pretty short amount of time. Um, I think Chicharito like seven, I mean, nine or something, 9.10, almost $10 million for his transfer. Yeah, a lot. Um, so it's going to be interesting, again, in hindsight, we really can't say at this point because we're kind of in the middle of the stream, but, um, you know, if the Galaxy, if if Dennis DeClose and um, Greg Vanny sort of went to ownership and said, like, we need investment. Like, have you seen what we've been doing in the last five years? Like, we need to actually spend some money here. And maybe they said, okay, fine. You know, cause they, they kind of tighten the belts for, for several years. And, um, you know, we're trying to be kind of smart with the market and they really failed pretty miserably, you know, in, in that regard. So we'll see how that turns out, but it, that's going to be an interesting, I think, uh, narrative through the season is, is to see how much they actually spend in, transfer fees and then how well those players actually perform too of course yeah because i think this is uh right they they obviously most teams in the mls it's not like the nba right you you and i are both familiar with the nba you we know what the numbers are we can we can assume we we uh, essentially we can judge and so can fans judge what the gm and all that stuff does and i just wish i know i've said this before but i just wish uh, you know soccer the mls was that way because you know we we wouldn't have to go off assumption we'd know how much you know each general manager is spending and you know, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, but we just, we just have to go with what we work with. Obviously it's not as transparent as I think we all would like, but uh, yeah, it makes, it makes it interesting. Like, you know, right. How much money are you actually going to spend? Right. If it is $5.9 million or $6 million for Kevin. Right. And say he works out, he doesn't work out and you do bring in Pavone and you name, then you got to spend another 10 million just to bring him over here. You know, that that's, at least $15 million. If we're going off the numbers that, that we assume, you know, right. a, a fair estimate, $15 million for two left wingers. That's a lot of money in the, in the MLS. That's a lot. That's well, a lot even, of money. Even 5 million is a lot. Like 5 million is not something where you can say, well, if it doesn't work out, Oh, well, you know, like, I mean, 5 million is a, is a big yeah. investment by MLS standards. So you, you want to be pretty certain you're going to get it right. Um, you know, so yeah, that kind of puts it in perspective too. No pressure, kid, but you know, hope you're ready, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And and also, it's like the thing to me. It's like if you're spending five million on a left winger, are you going to double down that and bring in another left winger? Right. What? What? Like that? That the door's not closed, right? As far as I know, it hasn't been shut down. As far as the people I've been talking to, but where does Pavone fit in all this? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I understand that the Galaxy don't want to come and don't want, don't want to uh, shut shut down the close the door the Pavone door because they don't know what the what the future holds. But um, if you think about it, that that would be a lot of money just to spend on the left wing side, right? And yeah. I, and, I, and I think you know, you know, it just it just got me thinking right now that that would be a lot of money um, to do that because you could go get a left winger in the MLS for a lot less if he was only going to be there. Because we I, with this signing, I don't think Kevin Cabral is going to be. Uh, be on the bench or just going to be playing for two months. I expect Kevin Cabral with $5 million that he's going to be starting for, for right. the, whole, and then, the whole year. 
and the expectation is he starts, but also that you can sell him on in a few years, right? Like French players are always in demand pretty much anywhere in the world, but especially in Europe. So, you know, the idea, like this is, I think, a way for the Galaxy to try and like really jumpstart being a selling team. You know, it's something they have not done. So if they get him, if he plays well, if they can make a profit off him, you know, down the line, I think that's what they ultimately want to do while also getting success while he's on the team. Yeah, yeah, and, and I like that they, if this happens to work out for them um, because, you know, French, obviously we know the French, they, they won the World Cup two, what, two years ago, three years ago. Um, and, he, and if Grand Sir and Kevin Cabal do, do good, it just is going to elevate their game and say that, right, they, they hold on to that DP spot and say they don't need a left winger, right? Say down the road, they look a couple months down, they got the left wing secure. So where, where would they use this third DP spot? Do they bring in another forward to, go, to pair Chicharito? Do they bring in a, a midfielder? Like, where are you going to use? Where, where, where? I know we, we, we don't know the answer, but I think it, it just the possibilities, I guess, are endless for the LA Galaxy if things work out with Kevin Cabral. Yeah, definitely. And and if you do, if you are able to wait until the summer to use the DP slot, if you have something lined up or you're kind of in the beginning stages of having something potentially lined up, um, you know, the summer is usually the better uh, time to buy players anyway. And, and it doesn't always work out immediately on MLS. Like, you know, Robbie Keane is kind of an exception. Generally, it takes mid-season you know additions a lot of time to to get adjusted but you never know maybe they'll get the next Robbie Keane you know in the summer and and that would certainly work out pretty well for them yeah well I'm excited uh for for what they have I'm, I'm looking forward to uh you know Kevin Cabral how you just the season starts like you know in 13 days I believe uh, for, for 13 12 days depending what day they play um you know, and it's gonna be interesting. You know, less than less than less than two weeks. You know, for Kevin Cabral to get adjusted to the weather, to everything, the lifestyle out here, and get ready to play. Um, you know, it's, it's gonna bring it's it's coming fast. You know, I can't believe we're ready in April, and I'm excited just you know to going to games, seeing the games on TV again. You know, I'm starting starting to get, starting to get that itch again. Like, okay, the season's here. We're almost here. So. I'm excited for this. Uh, no, I want to talk about two more players for the Galaxy. Uh, first, I want to talk about Julian Rajo. Obviously, we know what happened with the U.S. Men's 23 team. They didn't qualify uh, for the for the Tokyo uh, Summer Olympics. Um, what do What do you think about Julian Rajo for this season? Because I think this is the season we, we will un- we will find out if Julian Rajo is going to go to Europe or not. So obviously, he didn't really get to play too much with the U23s or as much as I think some Galaxy fans or we would have hoped he would have played. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on, on Joel and Rahul going into the season? Yeah, he's another player. I think it's a huge season for him. Um, you know, number one, to establish himself as a starter. And I'm not necessarily sure that he is the nailed on starter anyway. I hope he's a starter, but uh, O'Neill Fisher was brought in. And I think that even though he's been uh, dealing with some sort of uh, muscle imbalance issue and he had a major injury a couple of years ago with DC. So it's probably related to that, but if the galaxy get him right, he's a veteran. Uh, Vanny talks has, has talked about him a few times in media availabilities. So I think it's going to be a competition at right back. I don't necessarily think that the position is going to be handed to Araujo. Having said that, I think that, you know, he should definitely get a chance and he should get an opportunity to show what he can do. He did play in the preseason game against uh, Sporting KC. So we got to see a look at him. Uh, looked like he was moving upfield quite a bit and was, um, you know, trying to get involved in the attack. I think he's going to be kind of a, 
you know, a wide facilitator, that kind of thing um, in the run of play. So that that's interesting, but yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a big time for him. I mean, if he starts the season hot, um, maybe he'll get sold, you know, in the summer transfer window, if he is not starting or, you know, not looking too great. Uh, I think that's going to sink his, his uh, potential value. And um, it's not the worst thing in the world. If he has to spend a little bit more time with the galaxy, right? Like he's, a, he's still a really young guy. Um, but, you know, I, we've talked before. I mean, I, I hope for good things for him and I hope that he, uh, you know, like really continues his ascent. I think he's a promising player. I was pretty surprised with the U23s. People who don't watch the Galaxy uh, week in, week out were sort of like, oh, Rajo looks really weak. You know, he looks like a, a big step down from, I think it was Aaron Herrera was the other uh, right back on the U23s. Um, I don't know if it was a matter of the fact that the Galaxy just were so weak last season that it was like, okay, Rajo didn't look horrible every game. So, you know, he's pretty good. Or if those other people sort of were down on him for no reason, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, maybe I'm not evaluating him. Right. But mm. um, no, I, th- I think he's, he's the sky's the limit. And it's just a matter of if he can really take over the starter spot and, and, you know, become a lockdown right back. If he can do that, then, you know, he can go anywhere really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did see a lot of chatter about about Joe Naraho. You know, I went with the assumption because I I didn't I don't know that many players uh, before the U23s competition. Uh, you know, I with the assumption that he was going to start, and obviously that was not the thing. I thought he was going to play, and it also opened up my eyes that there's a lot of competition uh, in the U.S. men's national team, whether it's U23 or not. Um, but I think this also is uh, Joe Naraho, and you mentioned there's there's going to be competition this year, and and as it should be, right? As it should be. Um, and I think this is the year uh, for for Joe Naraho to. Obviously, we know what he's done, but to, to we want to see Joe Naraho take the next step, right? Take the next step forward because if he is, we do want him. That's his goal is to go to Europe and get to the next level. Um, I do, I do want him to see clean, see him clean up the things that you know. Obviously, the the little fouls and everything that he didn't need to commit. If he cleans that up and he stays aggressive, the one thing I like about Araujo, uh, he plays like a grown man. He like yeah. he, he plays a guy and he's not a necessarily a, a grown man necessarily no disrespect but you know he's playing against 30 40 year you know 30 year old not the 40 but he's playing against 30 year old men i mean it's slot time right slot time is right, almost right. there but um he plays like you know he's he's at the age and he's at the level if he cleans up what he needs to clean up i mean like you said he's very promising and the the offers will just come so i don't know if is that going to ha- happen within two months within two three months when when you know the summer transfer window i think we're gonna have to see he's, he's also gonna have to have a spectacular season if he will leave the summer but i, I think whether it's this summer transfer window or the next transfer summer window i think to me uh this this could be or should be uh, Joe Naraho's last season, right? If you if you if we see the trend of Americans how they're getting pulled left and right, I think it's fair to say that this should be Joe Naraho's last season with the LA Galaxy if he does everything right, you know. And I don't think that's too yeah. far. I don't think that's too far fetched to say that. Justin Estrada in the chat says, "I think the Galaxy should spend their DP spot on an overall midfield spot." Okay. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how the midfield comes together. I think that's one of the big kind of mysteries. I imagine there's going to be a lot of rotation this season, but I don't know. I mean, I really, it's it's kind of, that's partly why these these preseason games coming up are going to be so interesting because we may get a first glimpse of how Banny's going to line up with 
with his first choice guys. And I don't really know necessarily who he's going to pick. Um, you know, so like, could they use an upgrade in midfield? I have no idea at this point, maybe. So I think that's one of those things that once we see some games, we see what is working and what isn't, um, we're definitely going to have a better sense. And I think I, I would imagine that a lot of MLS teams are going to wait until the summer this year to do their shopping because, um, I talked to one GM on another team and he said, basically, unlike most seasons, this MLS season, you're only going to have played about a, t- a third of the games before the summer transfer window comes up. So you have plenty of time to, you know, still like games to play and, you know, things to improve upon, you know, from the summer transfer window. So I think there's going to be a lot more action this year than there normally is in the summer. Yeah. Uh, there definitely is if you if you want to make those moves. Obviously, talking about the midfield, um, Jonathan Dos Santos. We know this is his final final contract here with the LA Galaxy. We, we saw him; he got minutes with the Mexican national team. Uh, right, if the LA Galaxy are going to have a successful season, we expect we expect Jonathan Dos Santos to also have a successful season. We also expect I expect him to have his best season yet. Um, what are, What are some of the expectations that you you potentially have for JDS? Well, I mean, I think we're, we've hit a trend, right? Like every player basically on the galaxy who was on the team last year, were saying you got to get better, right? Like even the ones who are halfway decent, um, it's like, you got to get better. And Jonathan Dos Santos definitely wasn't halfway decent last year. He was, he was a major disappointment. Um, I think he needs to get back to best 11 status. And he was, um, you know, right there in 2019. Um, I think anything less than best 11 status is a huge disappointment. And I think if he's not playing at something approaching best 11 status, then that's a scenario where the galaxy probably need to look for another midfielder, um, you know, quickly. Um, but he's a player who, who has shown quality in the past. It's just, he's been really inconsistent. Um, if he can get back to his best, then I think that helps the team substantially. And if he can't, I think that's going to drag the team down. And I, you know, that is the sign of a good player. If, if they're the quality of their play, depending on what extreme they're on, you know, that's kind of where the team goes. Um, so of course you want to see uh, Jonah be at his best, but um, I hope so. I think he seems like he, you know, he hasn't been on the same kind of uh, public relations tour that Chicharito was on, but he said, so, you know, some of the same things of, well, last season was kind of a wash. We got to get better. Um, he's got, you know, this is like put up or shut up time basically uh, for him and for, the rest of the team. Yeah. And I think also, also Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, maybe it's something he can't control, but he has to stay healthy. Uh, we know what he can do when he, when he's healthy. Um, but if he can't stay healthy, I mean, that excuse is no longer there for him. You know, Well, that, I mean, that's, that's, what's really concerning is, you know, he's kind of injury prone. Vasquez has been injury prone. Sasha question has not been injury prone, but he's, you know, pretty old. So it's like, if, if those are going to be some of the key players in your midfield, then, that's a huge risk, right? Like hopefully it works out, but if, if you get two or three of them injured at the same time, I mean, that's, that's a big issue for the team, I think. Yeah. And uh, like health is going to be key. Health is key for any team, right? Any team competing, but especially for Jonathan Dos Santos, because this is the one way to keep your job and stay in Los Angeles is by staying healthy and helping the team succeed and you playing every single game, right? You can miss a game here and there, but for me, uh, if Jonathan Dos Santos does not play, 
what 98 99% on I don't know what the what the rate what the percentage to be but almost every single game if not every single game and doesn't do something impactful because I know what he can do for the Mexican national team I know I know I've seen him do it there and if you can't if you can't get the same Jonathan Dos Santos that you get in the Mexican national team with Yellow Galaxy Jonathan Dos Santos should not should not be with the LA Galaxy after this season. It's plain and simple because there there's just too much talent there. He's also a DP. He has to prove. I don't think he's proven that he's he's worth DP money. He's worth that DP spot, you know. And obviously he's not getting younger. But for the better of Jonathan Dos Santos, I'm very optimistic for him. And I think you know him. He's gonna he. This whole team is motivated. You know, this whole team is motivated. When you have a whole team of motivated guys, you, you would assume you would hope that, hey, you're going to get the best out of every single player. And, you know, you're, you're going to maximize everybody's uh, potential. And I think what I've seen so far uh, from them, obviously we haven't seen them all play, but I, I just want to see as much as the players we can see play where, where I think they play what tomorrow or Wednesday against what is it, Colorado Rapids. And then I yep. think – Saturday they play against is it Real Salt is it Real Salt Lake okay yeah, I do yep. that there right against Real Salt Lake so as much as we can see uh, from the starters I know I think Kevin Cabral may not be there but if Grand Sur is available you know if uh, I don't I don't know if Derek Williams will be available but as much of those guys we're assuming Jonah you know Efrain Alvarez you know as much of those guys that we can see starting Wednesday and then Saturday to actually get an idea and obviously you know to what this what potential this team actually has, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, the, the first uh, game was that we got to see, you know, it was interesting because we got our first like minutes at all of seeing any kind of galaxy team. The last two games have been a little bit less just because we're seeing most of the same faces or very young, very, very young lineup. And it's hard to really gauge what they're going to look like. So the next two games are going to be huge as far as getting any kind of sense of what the lineup is. I like, I, for example, I did, a, I wrote a season preview. I had to write a season preview early. Um, last week I made a starting 11 and I was like, I mean, I really have no idea what this is going to look like. So <laughs> I, you know, I told my editor, I was like, I am definitely going to change this galaxy lineup because I have no confidence of, of what I picked. You know, there's, I think a good six or seven guys are, are pretty straightforward, but there's a, a few spots that I'm like, Oh, I have no idea right now. So um, I am going to wait until, you know, we get a little bit closer to the, the time to actually firm up something that I, I wait to probably wait. Time. You're probably gonna have to wait like, like two hours, like an hour oh, before yeah. the game, because it, it, things are just changing so much, but I would say like a couple of days before the first game. And uh, honestly, because that, that way we actually know who's here and stuff, but right. Yeah. It, it's interesting because we want, I think we want to see them play first, right? Cause right. it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to judge, but like, yeah, you can, Right off of who they sign, we can, we can play some, but I think to me is always the eye test. It's always okay. Yeah, they sign you, but how do you actually look on the field? How do you you know? Because some players they spend a lot of money, and you know this happens. And when they go on the field, it's, it's it, they don't show. Right to Jonathan, Jonathan Dos Santos, talking great player for the example. You know he's getting paid a lot of money, but at times he hasn't showed that he deserves that money. You know, so I think we just want to see them all play, give them, give them a fair system. You know, one or two games, and maybe one game for some guys. But hey, we're gonna have to go off that one game and assess you off that one game because that's that's just what's gonna happen. You know? Yeah, for sure. And with a new coach, I mean, that's partly why you know preseason. A lot of times it's like it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's no big deal. Obviously, for us as you know content people, it, we it, we care because it's stuff that we have to you know be in tune with and and be thinking about, but um, with a new coach, it, it does take on a uh, new meaning because this is the first time that you kind of see how they're, 
um, approaching the game, how they're approaching lineups and uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, that's my argument for why the preseason is a little bit more important than it, than it normally would be. I completely agree on that. Justin Estrada, he says, if Jono if if comes back next season, I think it's on ta- on a TAM deal, not a DP contract. But if, he has, but if he has another sluggish season, I think he's going to retire after this season. I mean, that could be well the case. I, I think it's hard to tell a player. If he, if he, I think if he really wants to stay in, in L.A. and he doesn't have a great season and he wants to take a pay cut, then I guess that pay cut, he'll take a pay cut. But I also know that he's going to get interest from the Mexican teams, you know, from club America, he's going to get interest out there. So, you know, if he's, if he really wants to stay in LA and for whatever reason, he doesn't have a good season and he's willing to take a pay cut, then I could see him staying. But yeah, I mean, from making DP money to TAM money and he's, I'm assuming a high paid player. I think more, more than what DP is more than a million dollars. Right. So it's, I don't know exactly what the numbers are with him, but yeah, I think that's going to be a, a, a big, big chunk of change, but you know, because also if he's then they, I mean, if he ends up being a ten player, just for example, then it also opens it up. That's a benefit for the LA Galaxy. <laughs> you know, yeah, if he's course. healthy. Well, yeah, I mean, that would presume that he had a great season and he was willing to take a pay cut, which is a combination that typically doesn't happen, right? Yep. Like if you had a poor season and you took a pay cut. Okay, but if you had a great season, I mean, the Galaxy would really either he really loves L.A. or the Galaxy would really need to convince him. Okay, yeah, you were best 11 this year, but actually it's in your best interest to take a TAM contract because, you know, like that's a hard sell. But um, I my approach is first things first. Let's see how he does in 2021. And then we can kind of, you know, approach that bridge when we get to it. We don't really need to worry too much in the meantime. Yeah. And just to close things off here the player that really stood out to me and how vocal he was, was uh, Jonathan Bond. Like I said, I didn't watch this game this, this past Saturday, but I don't know if, if he stood out to you. I don't know if you heard him the first game against New England Revolution, um, but he really stood out to me how vocal of a leader, how he was, you know, telling the players on the defensive end, you know, where to move, where, where, to, where to be in space for when the ball to come. He was also when players were on the attacking side, he, his voice was very prevalent, right? And that's something that the LA Galaxy didn't have last season, last season with either the two keepers. And I think that really stood out to me. Were you able to hear him this past Saturday? Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, one of the position battles is done and that's high goalkeeper. I think Bond is going to be the starter, uh, you know, barring injury or something. Um, he just, he looks like he's in control. And while Jonathan Klinsman has been uh, getting playing time in the preseason, um, I, I think that Bond showed so far in the preseason why uh, they brought him in. Um, he's older. He's somewhat more experienced. I mean, admittedly, he has not played a lot of games uh, in his career, but he's older, you know, he's, he's more familiar with leadership and that kind of thing. Like you said, I think he's a natural leader. Um, I don't necessarily get that sense from Klinsman. And I'm not sure that that's just something that I've missed just because I've been watching on TV and maybe he is a fantastic on-field general, but I think that bond is a substantial upgrade. Like you said, um, over anything that they had last year and, and at this point over Klinsman too. So to me, it looks nailed on that bond is going to be the starter. Yeah. I'm with you. Even after just seeing one game, uh, uh, Jonathan Bond looked great. I was like, he he's going to be the starter, right? I know it was one game, but I, the reason why I felt that way is because I think it was like at the 60th minute or 70th minute, whenever it was when they played that first game, uh, Jonathan Klinsman came into the game uh, as a goalkeeper. Um, but the but the stadium was just quiet. You know, mm-hmm. he was, it, it was, you could, you, you told, you're able to tell the difference because the, the you know, Jonathan 
Klinsman wasn't as vocal as Jonathan Bond. You heard Jonathan Bond in every single play, almost every single play. And that's what they didn't have last year. And I, that, I think to me that is the biggest difference. That is the biggest difference. And that's and I, I think the LA Galaxy, especially on the defensive end, we know how many struggles they had, the struggles that they had last year. They need that vocal leader in the back. You know, more than a center back. You need you need someone to have your center backs back, and that's a great goalkeeper. And to, to keep their players in the line. And I think Jonathan Bond is that guy. He showed that. Like I said, I didn't watch the last game, but from what we're talking about, it looks like he did the same thing. And I think that's the LA Galaxy have been missing this year. And to me, Jonathan Bond uh, is a lock. He's a bearing injury, but I really like him. I really like, I really do feel like, you know, they, they got that spot secure. Now it's filling every single piece, but because I, that is, I think we can say that now that we haven't been able to say this about the other galaxy, that we feel, we feel good about the goalkeeping decision with Jonathan Bonner goal. Yeah. I mean, it's been a really limited sample size, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes sense to have him, you know, be the starter. We'll see what it looks like when uh, the game, you know, the games that count actually come up, but um yeah, I mean, I think you raise a really good point about the leadership too, because that's one thing that the Galaxy have really struggled with in recent years is they, like when you watch games, they don't really have a lot of vocal leaders, right? Like that's kind of why they would, you know, kind of sink in on, on themselves when when the going got tough, they would they would kind of just collapse and there, there weren't guys who were running around, you know, grabbing each other by the scruff of the neck and like, come on, let's fight, let's go, let's go. And um, yeah, that was just kind of a, a vibe that pervaded the team. So hopefully he... Uh, helps counteract that and hopefully they have a couple more guys who can kind of raise the intensity level on the field too and um you know not not kind of collapse into a shell every time you know something bad happens to them in a game yeah and i think the, the there's a difference from yelling at your teammates but also educating your teammates or, or helping them out and i think from from just the one game right the small sample size that i saw telling the players where to be. Hey, so-and-so is on your right. Hey, you know, this player's over here. That helps out so much because he, you have eyes in the back of your head, you know, right. that, that, that just, that, that just tells a difference. You know, that, that to me just tells a difference. They got to say, you're obviously going to get scored on. Obviously they're going to lose a game, right? It happens. This is, this is what happens. But I think them having a, a general there with Jonathan Bond, which, which I've seen and, and V does that throughout the whole season, you know, you, you just like, you don't, you won't expect this. I, I don't expect to see the same things, you know, when they get scored on, you know, they, they just put their head down. No, I think you're going to, you're going to have someone, Hey, let's keep going. You need to, you know, keeping everybody accountable. And I don't think they had that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think I, I like Jonathan Bond, but, um, but also, yeah, I think that's all the time we have. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, Alicia before we let you go? No, like you said, the, we're on the two week countdown, the, the season's less than two weeks away. So uh, we're, we're, we're coming up to it. So it's an exciting time. Yeah. So tomorrow, like I said, it is media call with Greg Vanny and Victor Vastius. Wednesday is against the Colorado, Colorado Rapids at 3 PM. And then Saturday uh, versus Real Salt Lake at 5 PM. And both of those games are still in Tucson. So that's the, what the week looks like for the LA Galaxy. Alicia, let the people know where they can follow you before we let you go. Sure. You can find my work on the LA Galaxy at lagconfidential.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Musings. Guys, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give this a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And you can listen to this episode on Spotify, wherever you get your music. And you can join us on YouTube at 7 p.m. Typically at 7 p.m. on Monday nights. Monday nights is allocated for LA Galaxy, LA Galaxy Talk. 
Um, so we have amazing guests like Alicia Rodriguez here educating us, sharing her knowledge with us. If you guys want to follow me, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Gio Garcia LA. So for Alicia, this is Gio. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Peace.